Pastor Sean and Pastor Aaron have been in Colorado all week, so a few, well, probably six weeks ago, Sean asked me if I would speak, and I obviously said yes. But so I am Ben Phillips, not a pastor at the church, but just happened to be Sean's brother. But uh, so I've got uh, something I want to talk about today, but before I start, I like to point out, I've only done this, this is my third time, but I like to point out that this is something I said I would never do. This is one of those I never. We all have those. And I don't say that for myself, but I say that that I hope that it challenges some of you that you're sitting out there and you're saying, I don't want to ever do that, or I will not ever do that, or I'm not comfortable doing that. But I just want, to, I want you to, I just say that so maybe you can let that stretch you and say, you know what, maybe God has something different, something different than what you thought, maybe. And so I just say that, that God will let you do more than you than you think, if you're willing to walk through it. So I'm going to get started, and I think I'm starting to figure it out a little bit on my third time because I noticed all my points start with the same letter. And so <laughs> we're getting something figured out barely, but let's pray before we get started, and then we'll go for it. So God, we thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak. I pray, God, that you would speak through me, God. It wouldn't be my words, but it'd be something you would say, God. And I just thank you for all you're doing, and thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the title of my message would be this, Who Are You Working So Hard For? Some of you guys who work with me, you might be here and you're saying, you don't work hard, you drive around in a truck all day, right? But my question is, who are we working so hard for? We all have places we're going, and we're all doing so many things that make us busy. You know, we're running kids to this, so we're running to that. Or flying out of town for two days for this, or we're flying back, or whatever the case may be. We all have things that are spinning through our head all the time that is taking a lot of our focus and a lot of what we're thinking about. But I'm going to ask the question, who are we doing all that for? Who are we doing all that for? God was dealing with me. What's one thing in life, what's some, something in life you're doing that you don't personally gain from? And so I was thinking about that. What's something I'm doing in life that I don't personally gain from? So think about that in your life. and all the busyness and all we're doing, what are you doing in life that you're not personally gaining from? And I just want to point out that there's probably, we're, we've got to figure out who are we working so hard for, but to know that, there's, that tells us there's someone else we're supposed to be working hard for. God doesn't want us just working so hard only for ourselves. And so I think there's some things we can figure out or that will help us figure out who we're supposed to be working hard for because it's not all about us. It's not all about us. And to figure some of that out, I think the first thing, which leads me to my first point, is we're going to have to wake up. And I don't mean in church because you're bored. I just mean we're going to have to wake up. Wake up to what? We're going to have to wake up to the fact that we live in two worlds. And some of us, we would say that, yes, that's obvious. We live in a natural world. But I believe there's another world that we live in at the same time, and it's the supernatural world. There's a spiritual world happening. The natural world, what would I describe it as? The day-to-day. -day. It's what you can see. It's what you can feel, smell, you know, all that stuff here. It's something that you don't have to try hard to walk out because it's something that automatically happens. But I think for us to figure out who we're supposed to work hard for, we're going to have to realize that there is another world. The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 
So what does that tell me? That clearly tells me there's two different things. There's things above and there's earthly things. It's not bad to think about earthly things, but if the only thing we're going through life and thinking about is earthly things, that is where I think God wants to challenge our thinking. There is a second world. We have to become aware and awake of, awaken to the fact that there's two worlds we live in. And just becoming aware of new information. Maybe you're somebody who would say, I do believe that yeah, there's two different worlds, but do you really view life and walk out life thinking that? Becoming aware of some new information, does it change the way you live? And just to give you an example of becoming aware of something new, I think Sean said it once, what if we all walked around with the expiration dates on our forehead? The day that we were going to die, that's a weird thought, right? But what if we walked around with that? You could see it in the mirror on your head. You could see it on all your friends you encounter. You could see it on your coworkers. You could see it on your family members. Everybody you walked, everybody you came in contact with, they could see yours and you could see theirs. Would it change the way you live life? I would think so. Would it change the way you live? Why? Because you became aware of something new that you weren't paying attention to before. Would it change the way you live your life, everyday life? Would it change maybe how you showed love or grace to somebody else? Would it? Maybe if you saw three days, you'd give them a lot of grace or a lot of love. If you saw 30 years, it's like, yeah, we can wait till later. I'm just saying, would it change the way you lived your life? I think it would. Would it change some of your goals for the week? I know it would mine. If I knew my expiration date or I knew somebody that was close to me, their expiration date was coming up at the end of the week, it would drastically change the way I live life. And so I'm saying we have to become aware of the fact that it has to become so real to us that we live in a natural world that we can see. Yes, we do. And that's all normal. But we also live in a world that involves the spiritual world that's happening at the same time. That a lot of us, even if we say we know it, we don't acknowledge that it's truly there. And it should be so life-altering that it's actually happening at the same time because it matters how we live this life, but it also matters what happens to us even when our expiration date comes up. How we live this life and how, what we view of that natural world, but also more importantly, the spiritual world, affects things for this life but even more importantly, I would say, the life eternity, whether we're going to heaven or hell after we, live, after we leave this life. So I just want to point out, would it change the way we live if we knew the expiration dates? Would it change the way we live if we truly view there's a natural world we're living in and there's a supernatural, I mean, there's a spiritual world we're living in? Would it change the way, and this is the one I really want to focus on today, would it change the way you shared God with other people? Would it change the way you shared God with other people? And I have been convicted about, about that recently. Josh spoke a couple weeks ago in the Take 5, and he was talking about this very thing. And God was asking him the question, do you care about other people basically becoming aware of the fact that there's two worlds? Do you care about the fact that other people are choosing to live either for God or not for God? And he was, and I thought about the same question that God asked him. Do you care about that? And of course, I would say, yeah, I do. I care about that. I care about my friends or whatever, the family members. I care about that. But God would ask this, and leads me to my second point. We'll go fairly quick today, but it, uh, God, it says this. Do you care enough? If you, if you care, then what are you doing to walk that out? 
What are you doing to walk that out? We can all say we care, but if I was honest with myself, I did not have a plan for taking people in my life that don't know God, and I reach out and I say, you know what? I believe so strongly in something that I care enough to bring other people along with me. And so God was asking me, if you say you do that, then what's your plan to walk it out? And Sean says he likes to talk to God about stuff, give his argument to God. And I'd say, well, I, I meet with young people sometimes, and I try to encourage them to walk with God. And God was saying, that's wonderful. You should do that more often. But those people are already saved. They already know God. They have become aware of the fact that there's two worlds. And then I was like, well, I mean, I try to be a leader in my family. You know, I try to be a strong example. And God said the same thing. My immediate family, he says, that's wonderful. You should do that more. But those people are already saved. And then I I'd say, well, I serve at church. And you know what God's response would be. That's wonderful. You should do that more often. But I'm talking about people that you encounter every day that you don't know. Maybe they're right with God. Maybe they're not. But are you willing to reach out and try to pull them into the world that you believe is, is happening? And so that was really convicting that I don't really have a plan for that. And so the Bible says in Matthew 9, 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest, which Sean's talking about seed time and harvest. And I understand that, one, I understand that some of us have more opportunities to plant seed in other people than others. I understand that. But there is something that we can all do. And so, but Sean's talking about seed time and harvest. I understand also that some get to plant the seed, some get to water the seed, and some get to actually reap the harvest. But I do know that if we're people who say that we believe in God, we say we believe in those two worlds and it matters the way we live, then we should all have a plan. It should be something when we wake up in the morning, it doesn't have to dominate our every thought of every day, but if we never wake up in the morning and are like, I need to be thinking about this. I need to be thinking about this. That's what I'm trying to throw up the thing today because God's been doing that to me. Like, are you thinking about this? Are you thinking about this? <clears throat> Uh, I've, got, I've got four kids, obviously a wife that helped me get the four kids. Uh, I've got two grandkids, and two of my daughters have boyfriends. They're all serving God. They all know God, and I'm proud of all they're doing. But I'm going to lift up, everybody's in different seasons of life in our family, but lifting, just bringing up my daughter, Mackenzie. She is in the Philippines for eight months, and we get to talk back and forth some, and so one day I heard her talking to Lydia on the phone, and she was talking about just what was happening that day. And she's like, well, we, we got up, we ate breakfast, fed the chickens or whatever they were doing. And then we went out and we did street evangelism. Ten people got saved, and then from there we moved on, and we went to the market and all this. And I'm telling you, something jumped out at me when I heard her say that a couple months ago, a month and a half ago. Something jumped out at me, and she said ten people got saved. And I, it was just... It wasn't condemnation or anything, but it was convicting to me to think in my life. When was the last time I was a part of someone getting saved? Not, I mean, yes, we're planting seed, but when was the last time? We don't all get to see this every day. I'm not saying that at all. But I was thinking in my life, I probably had to think back about three years ago when the young adults would come to our house, and I got to 
lead one of those young adults to recommitting his life to Jesus. And before that, to be honest, it was children's church and stuff like that. And so, but I realized there's big gaps in that time, huge gaps of like, well, not only did I not get to see it, but did I even think about it? And so it was really convicting me that like, her everyday life over there right now was to go out and talk to people about Jesus. And I know we, like I said, who are we working hard for? We all have a lot we're doing. We don't have the freedom to do exactly everything she's doing right now. But I've just, it was convicting to me to think, one, that it's not on my mind as much as it should be. Because I've grown up in church my whole life. And I know everything about this stuff. And a lot of you do as well. But it's, are we thinking about it? Do we really pay attention that we live in two worlds? And if so, does it change the way we live our life? Does it change the way we share God with other people? And so that was convicting to me. But to be successful, I think, at walking this out, if we say, yeah, I do believe it, and I want to get a plan for walking it out, then I think we have to realize this. What if life is not all about you? What if life's not all about you? God was dealing with me this last couple months about the way I guard comfort, the way I guard routine, we're Americans, we all have a little bit of that, I'm sure. But really something that highlighted it for me, and it was a bunch of little things, Lydia and I went on a trip to Switzerland this year. We haven't, I've never been overseas, never done something like that. We saw something, an amazing race actually, that, and she wanted to go see it. We finally figured out time to go do it. But God showed me some things. He took us out of our normal, and he showed me some things. And this wasn't a third world country. This wasn't a mission trip. We were going to do nice, fun things. But God just kind of showed me things through this. And I'm going to tell you part about the trip. The first couple days of the trip, you're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to tell you a story of how it went. Because I'm a guy who guards comfort, I'm going to book the flights. The plane has two tickets, I mean, two seats, four seats, and two seats. Where do you think I want to sit? I want to sit on the two seats. Because I do not, I feel very claustrophobic to sit in the middle. Very claustrophobic. I'm not going to sit in the middle. So I paid a little extra to sit there. Well, fast forward a little bit. We fly to Boston, spend the night there, and we go to get on the plane the next day. Sure enough, we're sitting in our two seats, nice and comfortable. And the captain comes on as the door shuts. Uh, check engine light came out on the plane. We're going to have to figure this out. It's going to take 30, 40 minutes. Okay, I'm still comfortable sitting in my two seats over here on the side. That happened. He came on three or four times for three hours. At three hours, he came back. I'm still comfortable, though, by the way. I'm still comfortable sitting there. They gave us some chocolate. It was nice, but uh, Swiss air, so it was fine. But, but then he comes on, and he says, you guys, I've got some bad news. This plane is not going to go tonight. You've got two options. The first one is you can try to get on the other plane tonight, or, and your luggage will not go with you, by the way, or you can get on the one tomorrow, and your luggage should go with you. So you see everybody trying to text fast to get there. Whoever wanted to go tonight, at the night one, they were texting fast, and we were one of those people. We wanted to go tonight. Right or wrong, we were going to go tonight. So we happened to get our seats on the plane that goes tonight, which we thought was a win. But um, <laughs> and we don't know, because we don't know the other side, but we don't know. But, so we got our seats. We get off that plane, and we're waiting to get on the next plane. And I'm starting to look at the seats we booked. Or they gave us. We didn't get a choice this time. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, well, I haven't flown a lot, but I don't think those seats line up to anything of the two on the side. And I'm getting a little concerned about that. 
And so sure enough, we go to walk into the plane, and I'm looking kind of as we're going by the rows, G, G, where's G? Sure enough, guess where they set us? In the center of the four, the center two seats of the four. And I sat down, and I felt like somebody just tied me up in chains. And I looked at Lydia, and I, this was for real. I was like, I don't know that I can do this for eight hours. And she talked me into doing it, and then she looks at me and says, I don't know that I can do this for eight hours. <laughs> anyway, we made it work, and we flew over there. It was fine. It was overnight. Everybody else slept somehow. I stayed awake the whole time. But we get over there. We, don't, we get off the plane. We don't have to look for our luggage because we know it's not there. And so they kick us out of the airport, and you go across the street, and there's kind of this mall area. There's, I guess the trains are in the basement, and that's what we were going to do. We didn't rent a car. The trains are in the basement. And so I don't drink alcohol. I've never done it. I don't drink coffee. But I do drink Dr. Pepper. And so what am I? Yeah, I got some amens on that one. But uh, I, I get off the plane, and I'm looking for a Dr. Pepper. So I'm, there's a grocery store in this mall area, and I'm kind of looking at the bins and not seeing what I'm wanting to see. And so I go to the next one, and I'm not seeing it. And finally, I just ask, do you guys have Dr. Pepper over here? We didn't do our research. But do you guys have Dr. Pepper over here? And he goes, no, we don't have Dr. Pepper, any of those American drinks. I just about walked back to the airport and flew home. But <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. But God was showing me these little things of how I guard my comfort and my routine. And I, what am I willing to give up? And so you fast forward from there. We had 12 nights in Switzerland. We only booked the first night in a hotel. The rest, we wanted to be free to do whatever we wanted to do. And so I've got an address. We have an address on our phone. We go downstairs to figure out the trains, which was a disaster the first day. And we're like, well, none of those things match the address that our hotel says, so how do we know where to go? And so we finally figured it out through much figuring out. And we get to the hotel. It's a nice hotel. We go and we check in. And the lady says, oh, your room's on the third floor. So we turn around, hit the elevator to get on. And I open up. The door opens up. And I'm like, you're kidding me. This thing's like a coffin. It's like four feet by five foot. I don't know if you've ever seen the elevators over there. But it's ours. You can roll a hospital bed in. And this one's just like two of us barely fit. And then I'm like, quickly, hit the button. I don't want anybody else to come into this thing. So we're hitting the button and sh shuts. And, but everyone I went in and over there was like that. I couldn't, I didn't understand. Why, that's why they're skinny. They can't, you know what I know. But, so, so we did that. We, we went in there, went up, spent the night. The hotel had a breakfast. I've got a point to all this. The hotel had a breakfast. And we go down for breakfast. Lydia's ahead of me. And she seems like she's just opening stuff and just filling her plate. And I'm just kind of following behind a little bit. You know, she looks like she needs two plates because she's got so much stuff going on. And I, I literally open up the first one, and I'm like, oh, that's hard-boiled eggs. I'm not doing that. You know, I shut that. And I opened up the next one, and it was yogurt. I know it's good for you, but I do not eat that stuff. <laughs> yogurt. So I look at that. I go to the, the next spot, and it's just... Plain bread with dried meat and cheese. And I'm like, where is a donut around this place? <laughs> I can't find anything. And I open the last one, and I look it up, and I know hotel eggs are wet, but this was like egg soup. And somehow, like I said, Lydia's off to the table, half scarfing it down already. I don't even understand how she got so much food on her plate from that. 
But anyway, I found, thank the Lord gave me grace, and there was a pile of bacon at the end, so I put a lot of that on my plate. But I say all that to say this. God was showing me, like I said, this wasn't a third world country. This is Europe, and it's in a very nice spot in Europe. But just the simple fact of being out of my routine, away from everything I knew, and in a different world, God was showing me how much I guarded everything that I have. Everything that I have. I don't think at all, like Sean talked a couple weeks ago about abundance. God does not have a problem with abundance. To be honest, I prepared most of this sermon in my 20-seat theater at home. And I honestly believe God was not asking me when I was over there and he was bringing this up, saying, you need to go back and sell your house. God wasn't asking me that, I don't believe. God wasn't asking me, stop your business, stop this. God wasn't saying that. God was asking me, if I would ask you to rearrange your schedule, if I would ask you to give up your comforts and do something a little different, would you release it and would you let it go? Would you be okay with it? Because God wants us to realize life's not all about us. Who are we working so hard for? Well, it can't be just, what? It can't be just us. What's something in your life you're doing you don't personally gain from? Think about that question. And it's really, it was convicting to me. If I believe there's two different worlds, am I living a life that says I believe there's two different worlds? Or do I just say I believe there's two different worlds? Do I believe enough that it changes my goals? Do I believe it enough that it changes the way I'm willing to share God with other people? That's really the stuff what God was dealing with me. Does he have a problem with comfort? No. God has a problem when comfort has you. And that's when God says, you know what? Something's out of balance. And so I just challenge you, like God was challenging me. Are you willing to set aside some goals and stuff that maybe you have? I think I'll just go with my last point here. If we're going to be successful at it, doing this thing the way, figuring out who God wants us to work for, figuring out who, that God is who we're supposed to work for, we're going to have to not only do these first things, wake up, get a plan, figure life's not all about us, but we're going to have to weigh the cost. We're going to have to weigh the cost. And the Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So what's that saying? Saying to me, wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to natural thinking only. Most people are going to live their life that way. Natural-minded only. Even people that come to church three times out of four, we're going to think that way. The Bible says most of people, most people are going to think only in what they can see and touch. They're not going to think in a spiritual world. But it says, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, which is God's, God's way. And, but then it goes on and says, only a few people find it. Only a few people find it. So we're going to have to be very intentional, not just to have the knowledge of this. If we just only go with knowledge only, we're going to be in the first category, I believe. But we're going to have to be very intentional to get a plan, to walk out. How does God want me in my life? Like I said, everybody has different opportunities. But how does God want me in my life to plant seed to people around me that I don't know where they're at with God? I don't know where they're at. Weighing the cost, what's that look like? Well, for the majority of us, it doesn't look like sell everything you have 
and move to Thailand like my brother Jake did. That's not what God's asking for most of us. That's what he asked for him. It doesn't look like even for my daughter to say, I'll take eight months and I'll go live in the Philippines. And her boyfriend actually lives in the Philippines three hours away, thankfully. But no, uh, <laughs> there's some distance. No, but it's not, it's not that. God, for most of us, it's not even asking that for us to go for eight months. What's it look like for us to weigh the cost? I think some of what we've talked about, it's setting aside comfort first. It's setting aside life's about me. It's setting aside some of our goals, our timelines. God was dealing with me or asking me this. I've been thinking lately about, oh, setting myself up financially so I don't have to work as hard or as in the same way even. And there's nothing wrong with that. 100% the Bible says to do that. Be good stewards with your money. Plan, save, do all that stuff. That is all godly things and we should do it. But God was asking me this question in my thinking of it. Who are you thinking of that for? Is it only for me? Is it so I can take life easy when I hit whatever age I can figure that out at? Is it, God was asking me the question, who are you working so hard for and why? Is it only for you? Or is it that maybe God should have another assignment for us? If we hit that spot and we have more time, maybe, or we have more resources, maybe, or we have more whatever it may be, I'm just trying to get us to think a little different that it's, life's not really all about us. And we can, it is smart to prepare and plan and do those things. God says to do it. But it's when it's only about us is when I believe we go off the path of many find it, not the narrow path. So we have to begin to zoom out a little bit and say, God, what are you wanting to do with my life? If you're wanting to give me this more time or more resources or whatever it is, then what is my new assignment? What is my new assignment? Because he'll give you one if you're looking. So weigh the cost. Weigh the cost. We have to realize it may cost us some of our timelines. Well, I can't get that as fast as I want because God's asking me to lay that down for a season. I can't get the promotion I want at work because God's asking me to put into my kids right now in this season of life. And that promotion will come later. What is it? It may cost you to live in a world where you're saying life's not all about me. It may cost you some things that, that you think should happen now, but God's saying, you know what, right now in your life, this is more important. Let's focus on that. And the rest, if it comes, great. If it doesn't, so be it. So God's just really, all that really matters is God wants your heart and he wants to be able to direct you if, you're, if we're just being honest. What's it look like to weigh the cost? To tell you, one of the hardest things I think, and one of us, I mean, a lot of us in this room will experience this one if we'll let it happen. Weighing the cost simply means this. Swallowing your pride and being able to live a life in front of other people that may or may not know Jesus and to try to bring them along with you. Because a lot of us, like I said, you might work at the, at the same place for 20 years and nobody even knows you're saved. I'm just saying, throwing that out there, think about that. If I work at the same place for 20 years and I never have a conversation with people around me about God, think about that. Do I truly believe there's two worlds then? Well, I don't believe it enough that it affects the way I'm living. And that's what God is challenging me. Take a risk. What's the worst that can happen? Somebody thinks you're weird? They probably already do anyway, okay? 
I mean, seriously, what's the worst that can happen? Take a risk because what, 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 what could happen bad, yes, but what is the plus side that could happen? Think about that. Life's not all about us. It's, you need to swallow, we, myself included, need to swallow our pride and begin to bring other people that we don't know where they're at with God. Maybe they're perfectly fine, but we have no idea. But we need to reach a hand out and say, you know what? I'm going to involve you in this because I think it's that important. But we have to weigh the cost. Swallow our pride. Who are we working for? I know this about myself. That, well, you go into any restaurant or any store right now and there's a little sign in the window. What's it say? Help on it. That's right. Well, I know this about myself, and I know a lot of you probably believe the same thing, but when God comes to me with an assignment like this, challenging me to say, you know what, you need to bring other people along with you. I don't want God to leave that conversation and still be holding up the sign that says help wanted. There's a vacancy here. I want to say, nope, that spot's filled for my life. I don't want God to come to me and then leave empty-handed. And so that's the challenge I challenge you today, that God is asking you. Because most of us in this room, I would say, would say we believe it's that important. And God is asking you, will you take up the challenge to work for me? Who are you working so hard for? God has no problem with you working for yourself because that's going to happen in this natural world. God has no problem with the abundance that some, of that, some people will get from that. God has no problem with that. But when it becomes this or that... That's when God says, hey, do we believe it or not? Do we believe it or not? So I'm going to have the band come up. I told you we'd go quick. But I'm going to have the band come up. But I'm going to do something that I believe God asked me to do. He says, what are you doing to walk it out then? Well, I believe God's asking me to give an altar call today. Some of you know what that is. Some of you might not. So I'm going to explain what it is. An, an altar call is simply this. That years and years and years ago, God, Jesus, the angels lived in heaven. And God decided one day, I want to create something that I can have relationship with. And so God did. He created man. You've heard the story. It's Adam and Eve in the garden. And what's the Bible say? They had a perfect relationship between God and man. And that lasted for I don't know how long. But they had a perfect relationship for a while. And then what happened? Satan entered the garden. The Bible says that Adam and Eve, they messed up. They messed up. They committed what the Bible would call a sin. And so it says ever since then, that perfect relationship they had between man and God got messed up. And it also says that every person, it says all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. What's that mean? It simply means we've all messed up. We're not perfect people. Ever since Adam sinned in the garden, we've all messed up. So God needed to get a plan to say, you know what? I need to figure out because I really like that perfect relationship we had. And I want to make that relationship right again. And so God began to get a plan, probably instant for him, but it took time to walk out. And God's plan, I know sounds crazy if you've never heard the story. His plan was to say, you know, my son's up here in heaven with me. I'm going to send him down to earth as a baby. As a, and he's going to be born with the virgin birth. It's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas, if you think about it. It's the season that's coming up. But God said, I'm going to send my son from heaven down to earth. And he's going to live on this earth 
And he did for 33 years. He was 100% God, 100% man. The only person to ever do that. And what was the difference between Jesus living on this earth and you or I? It's that he never sinned. Imagine him as a brother, right? He never sinned. He never sinned. He never messed up. But that was God's plan. The only way that it could happen is because when he became at the end of his life, as 33 years old, he was willing to die on a cross for your sins and for mine. Why could he be a guy up there to die on the cross and we can't? Because he was the perfect one. He came and he lived a life sinless on this earth, had all the same challenges we do, but he didn't mess up. He's the only guy to ever do it because he was 100% God, 100% man. But it was God's plan for redemption. It was God's plan for when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, it began to open up a way again for that perfect relationship between man and God. It began to open that up again. And so I'm gonna ask in this room, well, first of all, I'm gonna say there's three, three different groups in this room. There's more, but I'm only gonna highlight three. If you're in the first group, you're a, you're a group of people that would say, I believe exactly what you're talking about. I really do. And I just pray for that group that you're challenged today. You're inspired today to say, you know what? I need to pick up the pace. I need to take on the assignment that God's asking me to do. I need to be aware when I wake up in the morning that there's people around me that don't know if they're right with God. They, they could be going to heaven or they could be going to hell. And that should matter to me as I walk through my day. Think about it. I just want to challenge that group of people that we need to become awake, awakened to the fact that that's true. If you really believe what you come here for, that that fact is true, that we need to become aware of that. And becoming aware of that for real should change the way we live. It should change the way we live. We're going to have to get a plan to walk it out with that group of people. We're going to have to realize life's not all about us and we're going to have to weigh the cost. But there's two other groups of people that are probably here. And it's if you're in the, the third, second group, you're somebody who says, you know what, I used to do that. I used to think about God. I used to walk on the path with God. But if I'm being honest with myself right now, it's a Sunday morning thing at best. Maybe three, two, three times a month. But really, I don't think about God hardly ever unless I walk in here and I get told it. I'm not thinking about, I'm only living life for myself, if we're being honest. And that's not to be you know, condemning, but that's just where we're at. Maybe I tried the God thing a while, didn't pan out the way I wanted, and so if I'm being honest with myself, that's not who I am today. Or you're in the third category and you say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's okay. You may be in here and say, I've, I've never really heard it the way you said it. I've, I don't even understand. Or I've never been opposed to God. If you would just ask me, sure, I believe in God. But I've never said yes to Jesus. The Bible says no man comes to the Father except through me. And so we can say and think we're right with God. But if we've never said, God, I want to live for you. That's the way the Bible says that we have to come to God. It can't be I'm a good person. It can't be I just try to do the best I can. That's, that's good, but that's not living for God. You're not securing your place in heaven and even all the important stuff that comes living the life where we're living now. So 
I'm gonna ask everybody in here to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to think about which category do I find myself in today? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with, be honest with God. Which category do I find myself in today? Do I feel challenged to bring other people to God? But I really want to focus on these last two. Am I somebody in this room that says, you know, if I'm just being honest today, I used to follow after God, and now I don't. I'm living life for myself. But I do want to do, I do want to live for God. I do want to say yes to God. And God is beginning to stir you. That feeling you feel of that, whatever's in your stomach that's not nerves, the Bible says that no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit of God begins to draw him. So that could be in you that that feeling you feel is the power of God saying, you know what? There's something to what he's saying. There's something to what he's saying. So if you're in that category of, I used to do it, but I'd like to recommit. Or if you're in the category of, I've never, ever said yes to Jesus, for real. I would acknowledge there's a God, but I've never said, God, I want to live for you. If you went out and you died today, which sounds horrible, but do you know that you've done the thing that you need to do to say, 100% I'm going to heaven? That's not what it's all about, but that is a big thing. There is a lot we can live here and benefit from here. But if you went out, do you have security in the fact that I'm confident that I'm going to heaven and I know why? So I'm going to ask you guys here in a minute, not to stand up, sing a song, not to do anything, but to simply raise your hand and just to acknowledge, most importantly to God, that you know what? I want to recommit my life to you. I want to live for you today, for the first time or for recommitting it. The Bible says if we can't acknowledge him before men, then it says he will, Jesus will not acknowledge us before his Father. So it's a very simple but very hard thing to simply raise your hand for a minute and put it back down. That's all we're going to ask. Think about it for just a second. Is God drawing you today for that? There's no pressure, really. This is between you and God. So, right now, if you're in one of those two categories and you say, I want to recommit or I, for the first time, want to do that, raise your hand. You just put it up. You put it back down. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but I'm just saying it's not that hard to do. Raise your hand. You're acknowledging that you want to commit to living for God. And you maybe haven't been doing that like you should. All right. There's a lot of people, guys. There's a lot of people. You're not alone. There's a lot of people. I'll give it just a little longer. If you're somebody who says, I don't think I'm living for God, but I'd like to. In the, and I'd like to recommit my life to God. All right. We're going to all pray a prayer together. We're going to all pray a prayer together. So everybody just repeat after me. Say, God, I know that I've messed up. But I know that you did what needed to be done to fix it. I believe you died on the cross for me. I commit to living for you. Not a perfect life, but a life committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one person 
recommits their life to him. So let's give it up for all the people that did that today. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to sing this last song and we're going to finish up.